Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. We start a new series today. Uh, over the next few weeks, we'll be uh, studying chapters uh, 5 through 7 of 1 Corinthians. Um, last week, if you remember, we finished our series on unity. We studied the first four chapters of 1 Corinthians. And so I just kind of decided, because the book of 1 Corinthians is really kind of broken up into different sections, that I decided I'm just going to create a new series each time. And if I don't decide to do everything in order, I can come back to it. And so that's kind of the direction that I've been doing. And this new series that we're going into is called Integrity. Integrity. Say integrity with me. You've probably heard the quote, um, integrity is doing the right thing when no one else is watching. It's kind of why we've gotten kind of the man in the mirror, if you haven't picked that up as kind of our emblem there, there's a man in the mirror. What, what, who are you when no one else is watching? Another quote I've heard is, integrity is a choice between what's convenient and what's right. The struggle with integrity is not new in our culture. It's been a struggle since the beginning of time. As you read through God's word, you'll find story after story where people are being dishonest with God and being dishonest with people. They're, they struggle. Sometimes it's a struggle. If you're there, that never, sins never struggle, get real. It's a struggle sometimes. Paul, in these three chapters, challenges the church in Corinth to live a life of integrity. And integrity is so important to our walk with Christ. It's, who, it's really who God has called us to be. Is to, he's called us to holiness. He's called us to righteousness. Today's subject is not an easy one. So I, I encourage you. But you know, sometimes it's good not to always have easy subjects. I, I was hoping for some amens there. So that's good. Sometimes it's good to deal with, struggle with difficult topics. So I encourage you today to listen closely and have open hearts to God's word. Remember in last week's message, Paul was addressing spiritual arrogance among the believers in Corinth. How they were judgmental of Paul and how they were judgmental of the other apostles. The believers in Corinth had become really very prideful and very arrogant in their Christian walk, and, and, and the, they had become self-reliant. They were relying more on self than they were relying on God. And Paul stated, you think you already have everything you need. That's what he stated in chapter th- 4. You think you have already everything you need. Paul rebukes them harshly for the way they were thinking. Now as we enter into chapter 5, Paul begins to deal with some blatant sin issues that had crept into the church. Their spiritual arrogance was allowing for sin to be accepted among the believers. They had become so prideful in themselves that they didn't even recognize or see, or if they did recognize, they chose to ignore the sin that was right there. How many ever struggle with sin? How many have ever ignored sin in your life that, you know, the longer you ignore it, all of a sudden it comes up and bites you in the butt. It affects all the rest of your life. There's times that we need to deal with sin in our life. Let's dive into it. And I'm going to read the entire chapter of 1 Corinthians chapter 5. So I encourage you to listen to it today. These are Paul's words 
to the church in Corinth, to the believers in Corinth. He says, I can hardly believe the report about the sexual immorality going on among you. Something that even the pagans don't do. I am told that a man in your church is living in sin with his stepmother. You are so proud of yourselves, but you should be mourning in sorrow and shame. And you should remove, you should remove this man from your fellowship. That's tough. Even though I'm not with you in person, I am with you in the spirit. And as though I were there, I have already passed judgment on this man in the name of the Lord Jesus. You must call a meeting of the church. I'll be present with you in spirit, and so will the power of our Lord Jesus. Then you must throw this man out and hand him over to Satan so that his sinful nature will be destroyed and he himself will be saved on the day of the Lord returns. It's really important that there was a purpose behind what Paul was doing. He wasn't just throwing the man out to think, no, he was really trying to restore the man to salvation. So it's important to, do I hear him amen there somewhere? Okay, thank you. Your boasting about this is terrible. Don't you realize that this sin is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough? Get rid of the old yeast by removing this wicked person from among you. Then you will be like a fresh batch of dough made without yeast, which is what you really are. I'm going to come back to those six words. Which is what you really are. Christ, our Passover lamb, has been a sacrifice, has been sacrificed for us. So let us celebrate the, uh, the festival, not with the old bread of wickedness and evil, but with the new bread of sincerity and truth, integrity. What I wrote to you before, I told you not to associate with people who indulge in sexual sin. But I wasn't talking about unbelievers who indulge in sexual sin or are greedy or cheat people or worship idols. You would have to leave this world to avoid people like that. I meant that you are not to associate with anyone who claims to be a believer yet indulges in sexual sin or is greedy or worship idols or is abusive or is a drunkard or cheats people. Don't even eat with such people. It isn't my responsibility to judge outsiders. But it is certainly your responsibility, responsibility to judge those inside the church who are sinning. God will judge those on the outside. But as the scriptures say, you must remove the evil person from among you. Boy, Pastor Tom took on a passage of scripture today, didn't he? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word today. And God, we thank you for all your word. Uh, we thank you that your word is truth. That it's powerful. And that if we open up our hearts to your word, Lord God, it has the power to set us free from sin. It has the power to draw us to your grace. God, I pray for all of us, myself included, let my heart be open, let my mind be open to your word, I pray. In Jesus' wonderful name. And everyone said? Amen. The first truth that I want to share with you today from this passage of Scripture is that spiritual pride deceives us. Spiritual pride deceives Notice how Paul starts off his letter. I can hardly believe the report. I can hardly believe what I'm hearing. It's one of those times when, you're, when you read something or you hear something and your mind just goes like, I can't believe this is true. You're telling me Pastor Tom went to WrestleMania? Are you serious? He did. I'm not going to give up these really beautiful box seats. I don't care if it's WrestleMania or anything. When they feed me free food, I'm going. Paul hears this negative report about the church in Corinth. He can't hardly believe what's happening. 
And he tells the church, you're acting worse than unbelievers. Paul couldn't believe that what he was hearing. We, we have probably all heard of different reports that have taken place in the church that are hard to believe at times. We've seen sexual abuse situations in the, in the news regarding different churches. It's sad because it's happening among pastors. It's ha- happening among priests. At times it seems that the church is no different than the world. I'll say that again. At times it seems that the church is no different from the world. That statement is true actually. What? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The only difference between a believer and an unbeliever is Jesus. I'm just telling you. You can do the you can you can do work the hardest you can in your own in your own flesh in your own efforts and you're never going to make the level of righteousness that God requires. The only way that you make the level of righteousness that God requires is through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the way. Jesus even warned his own disciples in Matthew 26, 41. He says, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh, that flesh thing in our, that that flesh is weak. See, we cannot live a righteous life through our own strength. We We cannot live a holy life by our own standard. The only way we achieve holiness is through Jesus Christ. We've seen adultery within the church where a person is having sexual relationship with another person's spouse. We've seen unfaithfulness in the church where people are having sexual relationship outside of marriage, meaning that sexual relationship is not a part of any commitment. It's strictly for for selfish pleasure. Can I remind us as a church that God designed sexual relationship for a purpose, and that was for marriage? It's a commitment between a man and a woman. It was for marriage. He made creation, he made Adam. He said, I don't want Adam to be alone. And so he created Eve, a woman for him specifically. See, Jesus made made sanctity of marriage very clear in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 19, 4 through 6. You can read it about the sanctity of marriage. And as believers, we need to strive to honor God in our life. The difficulty is what happens is spiritual pride can deceive us. We think that the Bible applies to everyone else except for me. It's easy for me to apply God's word to other people. But all of a sudden when it comes back to me, it's hard to to receive. Come on, give me another amen. We're going to keep you guys awake today. Or the other thought that comes around is that we believe that the Bible is no longer relevant for us today. It's old-fashioned. It's, you know, written 2,000 years ago, 3,000. It doesn't even apply. It's not even relevant. So we pick and choose what we want to accept or reject. I accept this. I'm, no, this is, no, this no longer applies to me. This type of thinking leads us to being our own God. It, and I'm not trying to be too heavy here, but it really does. It, and that's a scary place to be because I can't save myself. This type of thinking leads us to be our own God because we choose what is right and we choose what is wrong. Well, this is right, this is wrong, instead of living by God's word. And this thinking is prevalent in our culture. And it was prevalent in Paul's culture. It's been prevalent since the beginning of time. So I would declare to you today that the Bible is not old-fashioned. 
The issues that were dealt in the Bible are the same issues that we are dealing with today. The Bible is very relevant. Paul states in verse 6, your boasting is not good. I told you I was coming back to those six words. Paul in this statement describes how sin is so deceptive in our lives. They were boasting about how well they are doing while, while sin is rampant in the church in Corinth. But they're saying, oh man, look how good we got. Look, our numbers are growing. Look how wonderful we are. And yet, they're ignoring the sin that's taking place in their lives or in other people's lives. Paul highlights this one sin that was really kind of an outrageous one. It was like, man, here's a, a man who's sleeping with his stepmom. And no one is addressing it. And everybody seems to know about it, but no one's addressing the sin. See, they should have felt sad and concerned over the sin and directed the man towards repentance. But because of their pride and their arrogance, they missed that completely. And that's my first thought that I want you to grab a hold of today. Spiritual pride will deceive you. It will deceive you. The next thought I want to share from this passage of Scripture is that judgment should be inward, not outward. Let me explain what I'm talking about from this passage of Scripture. Many times we are more concerned about judging unbelievers than being concerned about what's happening within our own life or within our own church. Many times what happens in our lives, we watch the news, we see different things. Oh, these are horrible people. These are terrible things. We judge them. But we never look back inwardly and say, what, Lord, can you change in my life? And that is such an important piece in our life. We can't just always apply everything to everybody else and never come back to our own self. God, how can I change to be more righteous, to be more holy? Our first concern should always be about ourselves first, our own life, am I living holy? And then secondly, guess what? We should be concerned about other believers, our friends. We shouldn't just let them falter and let them go down the road that we know that we should go in, in love and in, in care and in concern, point out they're wrong and say, hey, is there a way I can help you? But look at what God's word says. You got to do it in love. As you read in verse 10, Paul wasn't concerned about unbelievers living in sin. They're unbelievers. <laughs> how, do you, how, do you, how do you, if someone doesn't believe in God's word, and they chose not to believe, why would we be concerned about if they're living in sin? They're unbelievers. His concern was for the believers who were claiming God's word, but yet were still living in sin. The sin happening in the church was a public issue that was not being addressed, and Paul had some real concerns about what was taking place. And instead of addressing the sin, they were tolerating the sin. And the antidote, and I want you to catch this. If you want to write anything down today, I, I encourage you to write this down. The antidote to sin is called repentance. Because through repentance, we receive God's grace. For grace to work in a person's heart, there must be a sense of remorse. There must be a desire to repent towards God. If there is no repentance, we are choosing to accept the sin that we're doing, and we're choosing that is as right. In justifying our own actions, we are choosing to be, well, like I said before, we are choosing to be our own God. It's what happened in the very beginning. Eve listened to the serpent in the garden, justified her own actions to eat the fruit that God prohibited. It started from the very beginning where Satan, where Lucifer said, hey, you know what? Here's some beautiful fruit. And she goes, no, I can't eat of that fruit. Oh, no, no, no. 
trust me, you can eat of that fruit. God just doesn't want you to be, you know, have the same knowledge as he does and all that. You know, it's okay, it's okay. And she believed the lie and she accepted the lie as truth in her life. Why did she do that? Because she wanted to be like God. She wanted the same knowledge and understanding that God possessed. Now, this can kind of be confusing. Pastor Tom, you're always preaching to us that we need to be more, more like Jesus. Why, if she was trying to be like God, why did she get punished? Because aren't we supposed to be more and more like Jesus? Here's the problem. She didn't try to be like God through obedience. She wanted to be like God through disobedience. Remember in verse 12, Paul reminded the believers in Corinth not to be concerned about judging believers. Paul says it's not our responsibility, our responsibility to judge ourselves, those within the church. And before we start doing that, let me give a warning to everyone here today. Let's remember what Jesus said. Powerful scripture. He says, why worry about the speck in your friend's eye? When you have a log in your own. So, and I share that because it's, this is a, man, this is a tightrope I'm walking today, guys. I feel like I'm right on this cliff on either side. I could fall off at any moment. And that's a good feeling, actually. That's where we should, that's where we should be. That's the feeling we should have when we are having to deal with sin. Lord, what's in my life that I need to deal with first? I need to take, you know, and not just because I see some, but no, Lord, what, what, what do I need to get right with you? And then when God speaks to you, guess what? There's a time in our lives where we need to go to our friends and say, you know what? Man, I'm just really concerned. Can, can I just talk to you? Are you open to receiving just, and talk to them in love and in care. And, and, and man, it should be a scenario where you're not coming in such a way where you're coming down on the sin. It should be heartbreaking that you're having to go to that person and share with them. But we need to do that. Amen. We need to do it. We can't walk away. We can't skirt the issues of God's truth and God's word. But let's be concerned first with our own life and then see how we can help others. And if there is need to bring correction, a need to bring correction to a believer, Jesus gives us a clear response in Matthew chapter 18 and how, how we do so. Matthew chapter 18 and Galatians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul gives us instructions. The last thought that I want to share with you today is this, from this passage of Scripture. Sin must be taken seriously. I really felt, and I'm going to just take a little detour real quick. I really felt as I was preparing for this message, there's another, another level for us as a church to step into. There's another level that we need to go in our relationship in following after Jesus. We can't just be settled with, oh, we feel so good here. You know, what we need to do is keep on striving for what's next. What's next? What can I do next? We keep bettering ourselves. What's next? What's next? And I really feel as a church that God has a tremendous blessing for us as believers when we start putting his holiness first in our lives. We'll never do it through our own strength, but we will do it through his strength. And we can do it. And some might be sitting right here right now today and think it's impossible, Pastor. It is not impossible. Not with God. 
With God, all things are possible. Am I saying that you're going to be perfect in every way? No, no, no. That's where God's grace is. But we're going to continue to grow in Christ and love Jesus. And sin, as I share over and over again, we're dropping sin off of our life and we're grabbing a hold of Jesus. Well, what I am doing today, what the Apostle Paul is doing today, he's defining sin. Hey, guys, you're missing some sin in your lives. Sin must be taken serious. Ignoring or tolerating sin does not make sin right. What are we saying to other believers if we don't address a sin that has taken place publicly within the church? Are we just accepting the sin as okay? What does this display to our children? What are we saying to the next generation? Because I've noticed one thing. The things I tolerate in my generation is the things that all of a sudden the next generation will take to excess. It just happens. What are we saying to the next believers if we don't address sin? Paul addresses the sin at Corinth by telling the leaders of the church to remove the man from their fellowship. But it's important that we understand, as I share this, it's so important that we understand there is no indication in Scripture that this man is repentant. The man continued to sleep with his stepmom, and there is no sign for remorse. So he wants to live in sin... But he still wants the fellowship of the church. He wants the best of both worlds. It's like a, a gal that is, that is sleeping with a boyfriend who doesn't want to get married. So she's giving him all the benefits of marriage, but doesn't want to step into that commitment of marriage. Girl, step out of it. Make that boy step up. And that's in the name of Jesus. Don't give him the benefits of marriage before he's willing to make the commitment for marriage. This is what this man's doing. He's going to live in sin, and, but he, he still wants the benefit of fellowship with the believers. Paul says, no, 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 no. What is this saying to the rest of the church? What is this saying to children? What is this saying to other believers? What is this saying to unbelievers? It gives a poor reflection of who God is. God is not a God of tolerance. He's a God of grace. I'm going to say it again. God is not a God of tolerance. He's a God of grace. And there's a huge difference. In verse 6, Paul addresses how their boasting wasn't good. And it's a little unclear if they're boasting actually about the, the sin that's taking place with this man sleeping with his stepmom. Or if they're just boasting about how great they are and they're, they're, they're ignoring the sin that's taking place. But it was giving them a false confidence about their present condition, and they were not taking sin seriously. Paul compares their boasting to a, like a yeast, which will spread through a batch of dough. In the New Testament, the New Testament believers would have understood this really well, because guess what? Every household made their own bread in the New Testament. They, made their, they understood the idea of, of leaven or of yeast. It's made in making bread or it's used in making bread. What they would, have, what they would use for their leaven was aged uh, dough from a previous batch that would have been stored away as a starter for the next batch of dough. I knew none of this until my wife started baking bread. And then she starts telling me about sourdough bread. And I guess you got to get a starter for sourdough. I don't even know what that's all about, but you got to get a starter. Well, that's what the, these people would make their bread. They'd have their dough. They'd put it together. And then they would take a small portion. They'd set it aside. And they would, they would store it. And so the next time that they would make bread, 
they would make up new dough, but they would take this little batch of dough, which would be the yeast or the leaven, and they would put it into the big batch of dough, and they would start mixing it together really well, and, and, and then they would just let it sit. And as they let it sit, guess what? That old batch of dough, that yeast and that leaven in that old batch of dough would spread through the rest of the batch. And the Apostle Paul said, this is what will take place if you don't deal with sin. It will start spreading through the rest of the, of the church. It will start spreading through people. This same, this same truth applies to our own life. Unaddressed sin in your life will infect all parts of your life. It will infect your marriage, your kids, your future. Deal with sin. How do we deal with sin? I'll keep on going. It's back to God's grace. Paul continues his illustration of bread making by saying it's time to remove that old leaven. Meaning it was time to remove this sinful man from the church. Now this seems contrary to who we are as followers of Jesus. We're supposed to love people. Most of us are willing to fight for someone who is struggling with sin. But I want you to catch this. It's really important to, to remember this person was not repentant. He's not trying to change his behavior. But he still wants to be a part of the Christian community. He's not struggling with sin. He's choosing sin. There's a huge difference between those two. We need to have grace and love for those who might be struggling in sin. But those who are choosing sin, that's a different thing in Scripture. Paul stated something fascinating in, this, in verse 7. And I want you, this is a really important truth that's so easy for us to miss. But look at what verse 7, 1 Corinthians chapter 5 states. It says, get rid of the old yeast by removing this wicked person from among you. Then you will be like a fresh batch of dough made without yeast, which is what you really are. Remember those six words, which is what you really are. Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us. See, the Jewish believers would have understood this metaphor. The Jewish Christians would have understood this metaphor of getting rid of the old yeast. Paul is referring to Passover. During Passover, the Jewish people would remove all the leaven. They would remove all the yeast out of their home. They would go and search throughout the whole house and make sure there was no starch. They would get rid of all of that out of their house. They would do so because it represented repentance. It represented that they were removing the sin out of their lives. This is why they ate unleavened bread during Passover. They would also sacrifice a lamb. And they would, they would take the, the blood of the lamb and they would put it over the doorpost of their home representing the forgiveness of sins. God's grace, God's, God's shed blood, it was, it was through the lamb, but it was for the future of Christ's sacrifice for each and every one of us. Notice again what Paul says in that passage of Scripture, which is what you, you really are. Paul is stating to the believers in Corinth, you are really the unleavened bread. No one's getting excited. That's okay. You are really the unleavened bread because Jesus is your Passover lamb and has been sacrificed for your sins. The leaven has already been moved out, removed out of your life because of the grace of God. When you come to Jesus and you give your life over to Jesus and you make a commitment to follow after Jesus, he takes the yeast, he takes the leaven, he says, it's out of your life. It's no longer going to be counted against you in Jesus' name. 
So now we can walk in the freedom of Christ because God has set us free from sin because of the blood of Jesus. We can walk in the freedom of Christ and say, you know what? Sin no longer has a hold on me. We need to say that in our life. Sin no longer has a hold on me. It no longer has a bondage to me. But we got to just say, no more. We, We don't look at sin anymore. We start looking at Jesus. We start following after Jesus. We keep our eyes on Jesus. And this starts to just disappear. I'm not saying you're going to be perfect. God's grace continues to be our saving grace. Our saving grace. But we shouldn't be over on this side of the camp choosing sin in our life and yet being over here and worshiping the Lord and saying, oh, everything's... No, no, no. We need to have a repentive heart. The only way you're going to be set free from sin is to repent to God. Why would you allow unrepentant sin to remain in your life? See, it's so important that we don't dishonor the sacrifice that Jesus made for our sins. Choosing to live in sin as believers dishonoring his sacrifice. He died for our sins, not so we continue to live in sin, but that we could be set free from sin. In verse 9, Paul clarifies that he's not, and I'm going to keep on pushing this because that just really needs to be pushed. He's not talking about unbelievers here. He's talking about believers. As believers, we shouldn't disassociate ourselves because we read this scripture, we see this scripture, well, I'm not going to be any part of the, I grew up that way. I can't be, you can't go bowling, you can't go see a movie, you can't go do, I mean, there was nothing. I had to almost live in four corners of my house and that was it and there was nothing else. Paul's not saying that. He's not saying we're supposed to disassociate ourselves from unbelievers. We should disassociate, we should remove ourselves from hypocrites. Ooh, Pastor Tom, yeah, I know. I'm just preaching Paul. Get mad at Paul, don't get mad at me. People who claim to be believers but are living unrepentant, sinful lifestyles. Remember, as a believer, we are the light of the world. How will the darkness ever see the light unless we, guess what, associate with darkness at times? doesn't mean that we are part of the darkness. We're just the light that comes into the darkness. But it's those who claim to represent light, but who really represent the darkness that are the danger to the church. They are seen as the stains against the church even amongst the unbelievers. They're representing supposedly the light, but yet they're actually representing darkness. They can have influence over other believers as they pull them away from righteousness. So it's important today, as Paul writes, that we take sin seriously. Amen? Now I want to close today by talking about the grace of God. We spoke a lot about sin today, but it's important to know that there is no sin beyond God's forgiveness, no sin beyond God's grace. Do you believe that? The only sin beyond God's forgiveness is the rejection of his grace. That's the only sin that's beyond God's forgiveness is the rejection of his grace. It's the rejection of the the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. That's the only sin that you can't recover from because Unless you receive God, unless you choose to fall after Christ, unless you have God's spirit in you, you'll never make it into heaven. 
So that's, the, that's our only requirement is that we have to accept Jesus. We have to choose to follow Jesus. That's the only sin. Everything else God can forgive. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is a story of the prodigal son, and you can find it in the Gospel of Luke chapter 15. It's a wonderful story, and it has so many different truths that you can find in that story. But just kind of a little synopsis of the story. I'm not going to share everything, but I want to share a little bit of it because it represents what I believe God's grace is so much about. If you remember the story, there's two sons. And the younger son says that I want my inheritance early. I want, before you die, Dad, I want to go and enjoy life. So give me your, my inheritance. And the father agreed and gave him his inheritance. And it says in Scripture that this young man, he went to a foreign land. And he took all that hard work, that, all that money that his father worked hard to gain. He took all of that and he spent it on sinful living. He spent it on prostitutes. He spent it on gambling. He spent it on all kinds of stuff. And guess what he did with it? Kind of like someone who wins the lottery. All of a sudden, in a year, it's all gone. What happened? It was all wasted on sinful living. He made that choice to do so. And he finds himself in a foreign land where all of a sudden now, guess what? He has nothing to show and he's starving because all of a sudden in this foreign land there was this great uh, famine that came into the land and he finds himself starving to death. That's what the scripture says in Luke 15. Read the story for yourself. He even goes to a local farmer and he pleads to the local farmer, can I just feed your pigs for pay? And he feeds the pigs, but his pay is so little that he's still starving. He's not going to make it. And he recognizes his situation and he all of a sudden starts to think, my goodness, I had it better when I was with my father at home. I had it better when I was in home with my father who loved me so much. I had it better. I didn't realize that I, that I left the place that, God had, that my father wanted me to live and my father wanted me to reside. And I went to a place who no one cares for me. I thought it looked good. But once my money ran out, no one loved me. No one cared for me. No one. It was. And he goes, you know what? I'm going to go home. I'm going to ask for my father's forgiveness. I'm going to ask, will you just hire me as one of your servants? Because his servants are living better than I am right now. So he goes home. And it says in the scripture that when the father, because the father was looking every day for his son. See, for some of you, this is a word for some of you here today, or maybe you're watching online. The father is looking for you each and every day. If you've walked away from God, you're not that far from God. He's looking for you. He's just waiting for your return. It says in that scripture that the father saw him from afar and he ran out to the son and he hugged his son and he gave him a ring. On, he put shoes on his feet. He restored him back to his original position of what he was in his family. He didn't make him a servant. He made him his child once again. Even though he lived a horrible life, he did the opposite of what God wanted him, what his father wanted him to do. And yet his father was just waiting for his return. His father was just waiting for his return. You see in this story that I just shared from 1 Corinthians, the story that Paul, where he removes this man from fellowship in the church, 
It represents what Paul was trying, and I believe what Paul was trying to do for this man. In the parable of the prodigal son, it's a story of truth about God's grace. And I'm always reminded in this story, it's one of the best parts of the story, is how the younger son left in arrogance, but he returned in humility. He left with arrogance and pride, but when he returned, he was humble before, before his father. And this is a truth that you can take and put into your heart today. Humility opens the door to grace. Humility opens the door to grace. James 4, 6 states, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. That sinful man who was removed from the church in Corinth had the opportunity to repent of his sins and find forgiveness. And he still did, even after they removed him from the church, because that's what it says in Scripture. Turn him over to Satan so that maybe he would be restored one day. But see, at that point in his life, he didn't have a heart of humility he had a heart of arrogance. And it's so important for each and every one of us today to remember that we need to be humbled before God. Because there will be many times in our lives that we will be tempted with sin. We will. But if we remain humble before God, I want you to catch this. There's times where you're going to face sin, you're going to face with temptation, but if we remain humble before God, the Word of God says that He will show you a way out. He will give you a way out. Even through forgiveness, He will give you a way out if you remain humble before Him. For those who might be here today or watching us online and you're just living under that weight of sin, I'm here to, to declare to you today that God is eagerly waiting for your return because He loves you. Don't remain proud or arrogant in your sin. Choose to humble yourself before God and watch what God will do in and through your life. I was, that was placed so heavily on my heart as I was preparing this message that, man, humility is what opens the door to God's wonderful grace. That's what was missing in the church of Corinth, amongst even the leadership of the church in Corinth. And then amongst this man who was living with his stepmom, there was no humility. All there was was arrogance. If we walk in humility, God will lead you and guide you in your life. Amen. Lord, we thank you for your word today. Your word is powerful, it's effective, and it's life-changing. I pray that this word today will touch each and every one of us. Every person. I pray that there's not one person that thinks, oh, this word does not apply to me today. I pray that every person applies this word, applies this truth to our lives, to our own lives first. God, what sin in my life do I need to get right before you? God, I don't know that I have the strength to be able to do it, but God, I know that through your power, you will give me strength and lead me and guide me to say no to sin and to say yes to you, Lord. I pray, God, that faith and integrity, holiness, and your righteousness will rise up in us, Lord God. That sin will become abhorrent. It will become a thing that we are repelled against. And your grace is something that, Lord God, it's like a magnet. We just we are drawn more and more towards it. God, we thank you for what you're doing in and through the lives of people today. With every head bowed, eyes closed for today, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands because I don't want anybody peeking around. This is between you and God. But if you know in your heart and in your life right now 
man, there's some sin that you're just struggling with. And it's been overwhelming for you. And you've been trying to overcome it in your own strength. Or maybe you know it's there, but you kind of buried it so deep that you've kind of forgotten about it. But guess what? God's bringing it back to the surface even with this message. Today, I encourage you to take a step of faith because God is waiting for you. Just like he was waiting for that prodigal son. He's waiting for each and every one of us to make decisions to be more and more like him, to choose faith in him, to choose his grace, to have come in humility and be repentant towards him. If today that's you, I want to just say a prayer. If you're watching online, or if you're watching us right, right here live, I don't want you to walk alone. At the end of the service today, we're going to actually have some of our prayer team, deacons, after we're all done with worship, just standing here for anybody that needs prayer. Because I don't want anyone to be struggling on their own. Don't be embarrassed at the end of the service. Just come and say, hey, Pastor, I need prayer. But Lord, today, I thank you for your word. I thank you that your word is challenging at times in our lives. I thank you, God, that you bring truth so that we don't have to walk in sin, but we can walk in your grace. And God, I pray for those who are making a choice today to put, to repent of their sins and to put their faith in you. That Lord God, you would honor them and you will because you are faithful. And God, I, would pr I pray that they would feel your power, your grace, and your love today like never before. Will everybody say this prayer with me today? Lord Jesus, Thank you for your grace. Today I choose to let go of my sin by asking for your forgiveness. Set me free. Give me your righteousness. I thank you for your love. I thank you for this free gift. Lord, today I also ask for the power of your Holy Spirit. Give me the power to do what is right. I ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.